This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Taryn Winterbrill, host of Bestseller TV on C-Suite Radio. On this show, I sit down with leading business authors to find out what makes their books stand out from the crowd. With thousands of new business books and titles being published each year, we try to make it just a little bit easier for you to decide which ones are worth the read. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume Hi, everybody. Off Welcome to Bestseller TV. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. We're here with Seth Early. He is the author of The AI-Powered Enterprise, Harness the Power of Ontologies to Make Your Business Smarter, Faster, and More Profitable. It's great oh, to have you with us, Seth. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on your first book. Yes, thank you. I co-authored a book many years ago. Actually, it was about some technology that at the time was... Lotus and IBM's first foray into machine learning. Yeah. That actually became something uh, called OmniFine. It became another tool that uh, actually went into Watson. Right. So 20 years ago, I was working with the core technologies that people are talking about with regard to AI. That's exciting. So you're one of the first people involved with Watson. Yes. Well, uh, in a way, in a, kind of a derivative, kind of a precursor to Watson. In a what instead of in a way. Right. <laughs> Watson, there's a way That's to put it. Something like that. So Seth, I noticed a couple things right off the bat even before I opened the book, AI-powered enterprise. You don't even write what AI stands for. It's just become a household name. Yeah, people are kind of familiar with the concept of artificial intelligence and maybe through some of the popular uh, media and also, of course, uh, through Siri and Alexa and those types of technologies. Mm -hmm. So people are thinking of it more day-to-day and it's more of an understood term, at least at a a general level. So something people aren't so familiar with, Mm -hmm. this term ontology, Mm -hmm. and you have it right there, mm-hmm. dead center of your byline. Right. So right. clearly that, that was a, there was a reason yes. for that. So tell it's us why. Well, one of the things we wanted to do is help organizations and executives understand what they need to have in place in order for AI to work. Okay. There's a lot of books out there that are either at 30,000 feet saying AI is going to you know solve all of humankind's problems where it's going to be the end of humankind, right? Yeah. Those, and then there's a lot of stuff that's kind of deep in the weeds of the mathematics and all the, you know, all the heavy data engineering and data science. And what I wanted to do is create something that uh, spanned those two worlds to say, well, what do executives need to do today in order to prepare their organization for AI? And one of the things that they need is they need this mechanism to understand the information landscape in the organization. Uh, I like to say it's a knowledge framework. That's what an ontology is. That's what an ontology is. It's a framework. It's a structure a scaffolding. So when you think of all the things that an organization might deal with day to day, you put them in big buckets, right? If it was an e-commerce website, there'd be the different types of products that they have. Uh, there'd be their different types of customers. And, and the big picture buckets, the big organizing principles are what uh, is the foundation of the ontology. So depending upon the industry, it might be very different. So for an insurance company, 
it's the products uh, and the services and the regions in which they work and the business lines and the types of customers and all of those different types of products, right? Okay. For a life sciences firm, it might be uh, generic drugs and diseases and indications and mechanisms of action, all the big buckets of your information. Those were the, that's, that's what part of the ontology, right? The okay. ontology is a structure that says, how do you organize all of this information? You know, okay. What are your products? What are your services? What are your customers? And then there's all relationships between them. Right. So for an insurance company, they might have risks in a region, right? They have a list of regions, they have a list of, of mm -hmm. risks, and they say, well, these risks are in this region. Or yeah. there may be another kind of a firm uh, solves, right? So they might say, uh, here's a list of the, the, the challenges that an organization, and here's how, here are the solutions to those problems. Right. So you, you create those big buckets of information, but then you create the relationships between between them, and that actually captures knowledge about your services, about your offerings, your solutions, and it helps your customers get to exactly the information that they need, or their, your employees. Right. So the ontology is that framework for organizing all of that information. So I guess my question is, how did you identify this gap mm -hmm. and realize that this is something that I need to write about to, sure. to empower those who aren't doing it? Well, this is based on you know over 20 years of, of work mm -hmm. with uh, all sorts of corporate clients, you know, mid-sized companies to Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 50 companies, uh, in, in virtually every industry. And what we found time after time is that when organizations are trying to solve any information problem, they need to have this kind of Rosetta Stone, right, right of, of getting systems to talk to one, of, one another, right? They have to define, you know, the types of information that they have. And a lot of times <clears throat> that piece was missing, right? That piece was missing or it was not well done for the particular uh, process they had. Uh, we used to talk about building taxonomies for organizations, right? Mm -hmm. And a taxonomy is a, is a system for classifying information. Right, I but remember you, that from high school. That's right, that's right, from <laughs> biology, yes. And then when you have multiple taxonomies and the relationships between them, it becomes that framework that allows you to present all that information that you need to your employee or to your customer. Okay. But what we found is that it's the basic blocking and tackling that many organizations are missing. And when they try to apply AI to some of the information problems today, it's to make up for their sins in mm. the past, their, their data hygiene sins, right? Yeah. They have a big mess and they say, oh, this mess has been around for 20 years. Well, well, let's not now throw some AI technology at it to fix it. And that doesn't work. Doesn't work, right? right. You gotta work. go a couple steps back. You, you can't just- really, You have yeah. the foundation. And, and it's the same with any technology. You know, many organizations say, well, let's buy a tool. Let's get a technology. But that won't work if you don't have the fundamental Right. It's foundation. like it's like wanting to speak a language, but not learning the yeah, words not learning the, the and, basics, and the basics. Yeah. So that's yeah. what it, that's what it sounds like the metaphor I'm getting. Yeah. Seth, you just mentioned a few times we were going into companies. Sorry, we yeah. were going. No, no. Sorry, yeah. I'm curious. Who's the we? What's, what's so, your background, and who's who is the we? Sure. So Early Information Science is a professional services firm that's okay. been around for about 25 years. Uh, we have about 50 core consultants in an organization. We also have a network of folks that we work with, but it's a professional services firm that solves these very difficult information challenges for uh, companies that have been wrestling with them for years. Mm. You know, And again, we've had some great results with Allstate as one of the customers I talk about in the book, the Allstate Business Insurance Expert, or ABBY. Uh -huh. And this was done a number of years ago, and at the time, 
they said, you know, we want to use an avatar. And I thought, what a dumb idea that is, right? <laughs> of course, it was brilliant in retrospect. What year was this, though? This is, this is uh, several years ago. So right. it was before people were building yeah. virtual assistants. But what we did was we looked at the information problems that they had. And basically, when you look at a chatbot or many of the things that people are using today for uh, AI, like a Siri or an Alexa, mm -hmm. that's an information retrieval mechanism. Yeah. It's a channel. Chatbots are a channel. They're channels to the information. So you have to have that information organized in some way. What what Allstate did, they were one of the first users of an avatar or a virtual assistant or a chatbot, whatever you want to call it. But we didn't even think of it from that perspective. We thought of it from the perspective of organizing that data hmm. and that content. And that had a huge impact on the business. So you've mentioned this avatar and this real life example of Allstate. So what is so difficult about doing that? What, what is the behind the scenes process mm -hmm. like? Because to the average person who doesn't know much about AI, they think, oh, it's a virtual assistant. Can't be that hard. A chatbot is a channel. Like okay. If you talk about a virtual assistant or a bot or any of those things, it's a channel. In other words, it's just another way to communicate. Just like when we have mobile devices and we have websites and you can pick up the phone, a chatbot is a channel, which means that it has to access information that is structured in some way and organized in some way. Right. They don't work by themselves. We have to train them. Yeah. We have to teach them. And in fact, the same things that you need to train an AI are the things that you need to train a human. Right. right. So it's the content, it's the data, it's the knowledge. Yeah. And so that information has to be structured in such a way that it can be retrieved by the bot. And so when we went to Allstate, the challenge they had was all of this information was distributed in lots of different places, right? They had it on file shares, they had it in different help systems, they had it, you know, integrated into their underwriting application. And that's what you frequently find is that the information is not in one place, it's in lots of places. You mean the information and, that and, I'm getting as the customer? Yeah, and, and so the, what an organization wants to do when they're trying to serve a customer is make it easier for you to find that information. Right. right? And, and that's the same thing we're trying to do with employees. And so for Allstate, they had a new line of business insurance. So their their brokers and their underwriters were used to just doing personal lines, like you know home and auto. Well, business insurance is much more complicated. Sure. So they needed to access thousands and thousands of pieces of information and that information needed to be organized in a way that they could easily get to it okay. when they needed it, right? And that's the hard part. And that was that's the stumbling the hard point. Part. That's the stumbling point. So okay. they had the information, but people couldn't find it. So instead, they pick up the phone and they called the call center right. and they inundated this call center. So when we finished this, it reduced the call center traffic by something like 10%, which is a very big wow. number yeah. in the call center. Usually they're going for per percentage, you know, uh, like a fraction of a percentage point. So it was very, very successful. And again, you know, another customer uh, was applied materials. Now we built more of a knowledge portal, but it's, just, it's the same principle, right. right? It's still information retrieval. They had 14 different places that their uh, field service reps needed to go to get information to solve a problem. Wow. They, they make that manufacturing equipment for um, fabrication plants. So our, our magical devices, our cell phones, right? All the equipment that's needed to, to make those chips are made by applied materials. And so what happened was they, their field service reps were spending 50%, 40 or 50% of their time searching busy, for information. Busy doing nothing, right? Doing nothing, right. right. And what we did was we reduced that time they, they spent by 50%. 50? So in other words, yes. Wow. So that saved them tens of millions of dollars per year. I bet. That is the biggest problem that any organization has, whether it's a customer service uh, facing a type of a, of, a, of a process or an internal process. 
uh, it's finding information. Yeah. It's getting what you need when you need it in the context in which right. you're looking for. C-Suite Radio. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply companies using AI, how do they know they're getting their ROI, their return on investment? That's a great question. And I'll tell you a very short uh, anecdote uh, that relates to this. I was working with the chief uh, data officer of uh, a bank, large financial services firm. And this person went in and said, I can fix your data problems. This was a new chief digital uh, chief data officer. Uh, the bad news is it's going to take three to five years, cost 75 to $100 million, and don't ask for an ROI because you're not getting one. Great. Sign yeah, me up. No. <laughs> so that's kind of, that's that one end terrific. of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, right. Sign up. Where do you know, where yeah. can I sign up? That's one end of the spectrum. And that's unusual. And, but what, what she was trying to communicate is some of that foundational work will not provide an ROI, but it enables all the other applications that will provide an ROI. Okay. So some of it requires some investment. That said, I would never try to make that argument, yeah. right? I would never say you're not getting an ROI because you can measure at multiple levels. You can me- you have to measure progress. You have to have quick wins. You can't uh, have these endless in- engagements that executives are going to continue to fund without seeing the value, Yeah, right? of course. So you can't do these things without showing tangible ROI. So you can measure, but sometimes it is foundational, right? It is something that's a precursor that's going to allow you to do other things. You can still measure that on lots of different levels. You can measure the quality of the data. You can measure uh, the alignment of the data with a process. You can, there's many, many metrics around something called heuristics, but the data also supports a process, right? So what process do you have and what measurements do you have of that process? Because you can measure the improvement of that process. Then the the process supports a bigger uh, business objective, right? right? And then you can measure that outcome. And and then that is aligned with the organizational strategy. But too often, uh, CEOs say, well, how's this going to increase revenue? And you're working down in the weeds doing these kinds of projects that require a lot of foundational work. Well, in my book, I talk about ways to measure at each of those levels. That's so important. That is so important to any project. Even if you're not doing AI, even if you're just doing any project, that alone is something that's that's worth understanding and, and applying in your organization. So from your perspective and your position where you sit in your company, Mm -hmm. do you find that AI is just continuing to stumble and you see so many companies just doing it wrong, 
and no. there's just not enough time to fix it all? Well, you know, there's a lot of mistakes. We're, we're, we're at the earlier stages of the marketplace <laughs> in terms of maturity. So a lot of organizations are figuring this out. You know, what they don't need to do is hire a lot of data engineers and computer engineers to do some of these things. These are more about business problems and a business focus. And that's what I write about in the book. How do you take these business problems and break them down in such a way that you can solve them using some of these advanced technologies? But you don't even have to use advanced technologies. You can use whatever you have you know, in the organization. If you follow these principles, you'll improve the customer experience, you'll improve the internal employee experience, you'll make it easier for everybody to find right. information and improve efficiencies. But AI absolutely requires this. So, so one of the misconceptions is that you can take bad data or messy data or incomplete data, and you can just point your AI to it and it'll figure it out. And nothing can be further from the truth. You really have to focus on the business objective. You really have to focus on the needs of your users. And you have to define this in such a way that you can get the right data and bring it yeah. to your user. Now, AI technologies can help in lots of areas and they're new capabilities. But without that foundation, without that core uh, data quality, data governance, and all the boring data things, the architecture, the use cases, the scenarios, there's a lot of things that need to be done in order for this to be successful in an organization. And this even applies to smaller and mid-sized businesses. It's not just the, the Fortune 500. Yeah, I, I was curious. So you mentioned yeah. different sized businesses. Who did you have in mind when you wrote this book? Every, everybody you just mentioned or more specific? Well, it's really for business leaders and business managers who need to understand what has to be done to be successful. Uh, there's a lot of hype, there's a lot of BS, there's a lot of aspirational functionality, meaning it doesn't work yet, yeah. right? But the vendor will sell you something. There's a lot of things that people are selling that are just not realistic, mm -hmm. right? And, and uh, executives need to understand how to separate what's possible from what's practical. And what this book does is it shows them how to evaluate uh, the claims of a vendor, right? right? Claims of the software. And there's lots of people. Everybody has AI today. Yeah. Every AI is in everything, as they right. say. But what's interesting is many, many years ago, one of the first uh, applications of artificial intelligence was actually word processing. Yeah. And, and you don't think of it as, as that, yeah. right? You think, oh, it's just word processing. At the time, right. So, so the point is that there's a lot of people who are uh, making career-limiting mistakes or <laughs> resume-generating events. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Another way, right? it's a nice euphemism. Right. And, and the point is that they're making mistakes that don't impact their career because they're making the wrong choices. They're making the wrong selections. They're, they're buying the BS, okay? And so what we're trying to do is help people understand what do you realistically need to do to be successful? How should you calibrate your expectations? Okay. How should you be aligned with the needs of the business? So one of the things we're, we're trying to do is help people understand what's really needed, right? And how you select the right business problem to solve. And how do you tell when a uh, software vendor or provider or consultant is, is giving you unrealistic, uh, yeah. making, creating unrealistic right. expectations. So, right. so it's really trying to help a, a variety of, of, managed, of business people. Technical business people, certainly the technical organization, you know, would look at this and say, yep, this makes sense. Yes, we have to do this. 
and it puts it in, in the terms that a business leader can understand. Right. So it's really written for a range of audiences and a range of businesses from, yeah. from smaller businesses can, can benefit from this because it, they have to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's very comprehensive. You go into a lot of detail. We're out of time, Seth, but real quickly, in your opinion, your expert opinion, what is the future of AI? What's to come? What's next? It's going to be interwoven into our environment. In other okay. words, it'll be more uh, present and less visible. It'll just be behind the scenes. And okay. many times, you know, we don't think of all the AI technology that's serving us today. Yeah. You know, a lot of times we don't see it. Right. And so the, the voice assistants are going to get much better. They'll get better at understanding what we mean and what we want. Uh, and a lot of the personalization that people struggle with, a lot of businesses cannot get personalization right on websites, will get much better. So you'll be able to go someplace and you'll be able to interact with these virtual assistants just like you're interacting with a regular assistant. Yeah. They'll understand you, they'll understand your preferences, what you want, right. what your favorite uh, you know, food is, and all of these different things. And that will be your data. That will be about your preferences in your right. world. And you will have virtual assistants that will work for you to find the things that you need, wow. rather than companies just pushing things on you. Wow, you well, it's very exciting, it right? Got the future of AI, it's yeah. uh, limitless. Uh, I feel like we're in a Back to the Future movie mm. <laughs> to yeah. come. Um, thank you, Seth. The, the book's terrific, and I uh, can't wait for the next one. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for being here. Me. If you'd like more information on the book, just check out our website at csweetbookclub.com, c-sweetbookclub.com. I'm Taryn Winterbrill. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time right here on Bestseller TV. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-sweetradio.com.